today will be blessed by being connected with us. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We are in a series called Feed Your Mind. And uh, we're talking about the effects of all of the, uh, everything that we're going through, everything that the country is going through, and everything that that encompasses on the mental health of individuals and how the Bible says, this is not a, a counseling session, it's not a coping class. This is being honest about what we're going through, what we're facing, and finding biblical ways to deal with it. I want you to make sure that you understand that. This is not a pep talk. This is about how we as followers of Christ face crisis in our lives face difficulties in our lives. And if you're not a follower of Christ, if you have just tuned into us and you're watching, you are, you are going to learn. If you will stay with us, bear with us, and even watch these, our, our, uh, our, seri our sermons every Sunday from, for the foreseeable future while we're still in this lockdown, how, how we as believers handle difficult situations, especially those situations of the mind. Because even though we have given our lives to Christ and accepted him as our savior, we are still human beings. And we still deal with and battle with mental fatigue, mental stress, mental difficulties. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4, reads this way. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren and brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Listen, as we face the difficult and uncertain times in our world right now, the effects of events around us and the changes in our lives have profound influence on our mental health. And even Christians are subject to strains on our mental state because of the effects of the situations in our world. What we're going through, being socially distant from everybody, being, being closed down in your house, uh, not being able, many, many, the majority of Americans not being able to go to work, not being able to go through the, the regular life patterns that you had uh, come to know. And as Christians, not being able to, to get, gather for Bible studies or gather for church, which is so vitally important for us as believers, as the Bible describes us as a body, and the body is complete and fulfilled when it is together. And it's difficult, these are difficult times that we face because our routines, and, and they, you know, when you say the word routine, it kind of minimizes, I think, what we're going through because life is not about routine. Life is about living. Life is about uh, community. Life is about sharing with people. Life is about interacting. God created us as, show, as social beings, and we're not able to be that way right now. Listen, as much as you love your family, uh, there's only, only so many rooms you have in your house to get away from people, right? <laughs> I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. There's only, only so many places you can go. And, and you start to, uh, it, it starts to wear on us. What we're doing in this series of sermons is looking at the most common emotional and mental struggles that people face, even believers in Jesus, and finding some biblical principles to apply to help us deal with what we're going through. Because make no mistake, the Bible addresses these issues. The Bible clearly addresses these issues because God created us and he knows what we're facing. He knows what we were going to be up against. The goal is not just to find a way to survive, but more importantly, a way to follow God's plan for his children to deal with these very real struggles and to grow stronger in our faith in spite of the mental pressures. Understand this, the Bible tells us that, uh, that difficulties come into our lives to make us stronger as Christians. Paul said, I was, I'm thankful for the struggles, the difficulties, the challenges I face, because when I am weak, he is strong. When I grow weak in my life, when I grow weak in my own spirit, when I grow weak in my own abilities, that's when God 
can be stronger in me because I'm setting myself aside. So we're not looking for a way to simply survive this. What my goal through this sermon series is that you will, if, if you're struggling, is that you'll get a hold of something real and begin to build those muscles. We were, uh, some of the guys in the worship team uh, and I were talking about uh, trying to find at-home gym equipment right now or exercise equipment. And it's, it's very difficult. There's none to be had uh, if you look in marketplaces and things like that. Even at, at stores, it's very, it's very difficult to find. So uh, to grow stronger physically, you know, I've seen some jokes about, you know, when you go to college, you get the, the people put on the freshman 15, right? Um, people are putting on the quarantine 15 now. Um, it's very difficult, and you have to be active, and you have to really, um, the things that you took for granted before, you have to find ways to supplement now. Our goal should be to come out of this stronger than we, when we went into it. There are very real struggles that we face. And if we're going to be stronger in our faith in spite of the mental pressures, we must be willing to apply God's plan. You cannot recover from anxiety by just wanting to be calm. You cannot recover from depression by just wanting to be positive. You cannot overcome fear by simply wanting to turn on a light. You cannot overcome sadness by just wanting to be happy and having happy thoughts and sending out good vibes. If strong mental health were that simple, they wouldn't be struggling in the first place. It takes a plan, it takes effort, it takes fighting and standing and claiming. If you are going to have strong mental health, spiritually speaking, if you're going to grow stronger in the Lord through this in your mind, because it all begins in the mind, then you have got to institute a plan in your life to face these mental struggles. Because make no mistake, it's difficult. It's difficult. Have you been to a grocery store lately? Have you tried to walk into a grocery store? Nobody wants to hear a joke. Nobody wants to have a conversation. And Lord help you if you go the wrong way up the aisle. Right? I, I, I was in the store the other day, and what I wanted was only about eight feet down the aisle, but I was on the wrong end. So I turned around my cart the wrong way, and I backed in. <laughs> there was nobody in the aisle, so I just, and that's how I, yeah, anyway. <clears throat> a spirit of fear is unhealthy. It's consuming and paralyzing. On the other hand, respect for God's power to heal, help, and save is healthy and necessary. What we're going to be talking today in this sermon and this week and next week is about facing fear. Because that's what this is all about. When, it, when, it's, when this whole issue that we're facing as a country and as individuals is boiled down, it comes down to fear. And we're going to be looking at how we as believers should be facing that. A spirit of fear is foolish, while a respect for God is the beginning of wisdom. Where a spirit of fear debilitates, respect for God empowers. When a spirit of fear brings death, respect for God offers life. What we need to do is deal with our spirit of fear in life with the healthy respect of God's way of dealing with life. We must respect God's way if we want to overcome our fear. I read an interesting um, statistic in an, in an article this week that when all of this pandemic started and the shutdown began, the, uh, the, news, uh, the news broadcast ratings went sky high. Now that we are somewhere around six weeks into it, the ratings are, are, are dropping way down and bottoming out because people are tired of hearing about this. They're, they're they're filled, they're, they're filled up enough with bad news. <laughs> if we want to overcome our fear, we must not only respect God's way of dealing with it for his children, but we must also incorporate it into our lives. By incorporating God's principles into your life when it comes to dealing with our mental health, what we are, by not incorporating, let me go back and say that again, by not incorporating God's plan and God's principles into your life for dealing with mental health 
What we're saying is that we don't respect God's word and his plan for dealing with our struggles, that we don't believe God's way is good enough for us, and that we don't trust God's plan and that you'd rather take the chances with your own human wisdom. When you refuse to put God's plan into practice in your life, what you're saying is God's plan is not the way for me. As a follower of Jesus Christ, that's a dangerous place to be, folks. If you're watching us on Facebook today, if you are saying, I will not, I will not follow God's plan, I will not put into practice his word, I'm going to trust what I'm being told rather than what is being taught to me or what God is trying to reach me with, you're putting yourself in a dangerous place as a follower of Christ. Make no mistake, poor mental health has a definite and proven negative effect on your overall health and well-being. And that affects your walk with Jesus Christ. Consider these facts about fear and its effect on humans. These are factual effects that fear has on human beings, on the human body. <laughs> effects on fear on overall health include immune system dysfunction, because fear releases hormones and other chemicals that weaken your immune system. It causes cardio damage into your cardiovascular system. And many people know that it causes ulcers. It affects your autonomic nervous system, causes alterations. That controls blood pressure and breathing. It affects your sleep-wake cycles. People sleep less or they sleep at different times. And it could cause eating disorders. The potential effects of chronic fear on emotional health include dissociation from self. That's the act of disconnecting from your thoughts, feelings, memory, or sense of identity. Losing yourself, if you will. Another effect is the inability to have loving feelings. A learned helplessness is an effect of chronic fear on your emotional health. That means you no longer avoid situations that cause fear. Behaving as if you're utterly helpless and no longer taking obvious opportunities to avoid these situations. Many of you that are watching or have dealt with people or have friends or know family members who will not get out of, of harmful, abusive situations, well, that's because they've been in it so long that it has shut down that emotional part of their life, and they no longer take the obvious. I, I mean, just honestly, how many of you have looked at someone or you've talked with other family about someone who is in that and say, I don't know why blank won't get out of that relationship? It's because they've been in it so long that it has literally affected their emotional imbalance, uh, their emotional balance, and created an imbalance where they feel helpless and there's no way out, even though it's obvious to others, and it affects mood swings. The effect of fear on, on our environmental health, that's where and how you live. Whenever I go to the VA, uh, they ask me a question, um, do you feel safe at home? <laughs> right? They ask me the question, do you feel safe at home? And I had one doctor look at me and ask that question, and I, I can be a smart aleck, I can be sarcastic, and I looked back at him and I said, do you think I feel safe at home? I mean, seriously, man. I, and I, probably not the right answer to give, but, um, <clears throat> but they asked that question because so many people don't. So many people are in, in situations in their environment, the, where they live, where the fear has created in, incredible changes in them. Continued living in fear-generating situations due to uncertainty of moving out and unknown associated dangers. Another one is not able to find safe housing or being afraid to leave home because of paranoia. These are all effects that, that fear has, literal effects that fear has on the human body and the human mind. Chronic fear on spiritual health as we deal with, with people, Christians, followers of Christ, who live in chronic fear and cannot get over it, these are some ways that it affects our spiritual health. It turns into a bitterness or a fear towards God or others. 
It creates confusion or disgust with God or with religion. It can cause loss of trust in God or with clergy or other church members. It can cause us to become paralyzed while waiting for God to fix it for us. And it can cause despair related to perceived loss of spirituality. And fear also affects the ability to learn. Trauma that has been experienced in life causes the brain to stop at certain points. When the brain is in a high state of fear, storage of new learning is blocked. And it is stored in nonverbal areas and the ability to retrieve memories is impaired. Say, well, geez, that sounds very psychological. but I'm a Christian, and I have the Holy Spirit of God living inside me, and I have access to God. Okay, that's all well and good, but do you put it into practice? And even if you do, let me give you a few examples from the Bible of great giants of the faith in the Bible who were influenced and impacted by fear in their lives. Adam and Eve hid from God after they sinned. Elijah, you remember the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel? How he showed, he, he, stood, he stood by himself against not just the, the prophets of Baal, but against the king and against the nation of Israel. One man. And God showed up and God showed himself to be powerful. And Elijah was the human representation of a great victory of God. And then what happened? Jezebel threatened him, and Elijah ran. Elijah ran from Jezebel because of fear. Elisha, you remember the story of Elisha and his servant? The king came to get Elisha because he didn't like his message, and the servant looked out and saw the hillside covered with the, 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 the chariots and the warriors of Israel. And he said, Master, what are we going to do? And what did Elisha do? Elisha prayed and said, God, would you open his eyes? So he can see the situation we're really in. And God supernaturally opened his eyes and allowed him to see chariots and and warriors of fire that were literally surrounding them and protecting them. Moses was afraid to face his past. Gideon was afraid to lead. Joseph, uh, Jonah, was afraid to follow God's plan. Peter was afraid to admit that he was a follower of Jesus. The ten spies were afraid to trust God's promise of a homeland. And Thomas was afraid to believe the truth of Jesus' resurrection. I submit to you that fear is one of, if not, the biggest weapon that Satan has in his arsenal. That's why God's word is literally filled with verses that tell us not to be afraid but trust in him. Here's a few. And as we go through this, if you're watching us on Facebook, I challenge you to have a pen, uh, pencil and paper or pen and paper or whatever uh, next to you to write some of these verses down because these are powerful verses that we need to know and be able to claim in our lives. And we're going to show you as we get into this sermon more about how we can do that. Isaiah 41, verses 10 through 13 say, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord, your God, who takes care of your, takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. I've shared with you in the past, when I was in one of the darkest points, probably the, uh, the darkest point of my life, a friend shared those verses with me, and I made two copies of them, and I put one on my computer screen, and I put one on my refrigerator. And every day, I read those verses over and over and over again. And it was those verses and the power and the promise and the, the, the calm that it brought to my heart that helped me get through that time because I knew that God was on my side and that nothing, nothing could defeat me. Psalm 56.3 says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. That sounds so simple, doesn't it? Yet we struggle with doing just that. 
Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I'm so thankful that the CSB uses the word stronghold there to, tra to, to translate that word. Because in the New Testament, Paul says that we are tearing down strongholds in our lives, right? We're tearing down the strongholds. We're tearing down the castles. We're tearing down the fortresses that we have built up in our own lives to deal with it or to block out whatever it is we're trying to block out. But God says, tear those down because I want to be your stronghold, because I will be your stronghold. I'm your tower of strength. The righteous run to me and they are safe. I'm the wings that cover you. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never, never, never leave you nor forsake you. Psalm 34, 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. And the list goes on and on and on that tell us that God is bigger than what we fear. Even if we can't define what we fear, even if we can't explain what we fear, and even if we can't understand what we fear. Some people, followers of Christ are in situations in their lives right now that you never in your wildest imagination dreamed you'd be in. The question that comes from many, many people when you're, if you do go out to the store, if you do have a conversation with someone is, did you think, I had a guy talk to, I had to get a new tire on the car this week, and sitting outside, a gentleman asked me from about 12 feet away, he said, did you ever think that America would be in this place just five weeks ago? And my response, uh, absolutely, honestly, was no, I never did. I don't think anybody could imagine it. And there are Christians today that are in situations in their lives right now that they never thought they'd be in. Places of worry and fear, fear for our very existence that we never thought we'd be in. Can I say this to you? If you are going to at all be able to deal with the fear in your life as a follower of Christ, to overcome it and to live in victory, it's more than just quote, quoting a slogan. You have got to start putting into practice what God has placed in his word for us to follow. The promises that he's given to us, that he is bigger than our problems, that he does have a way through. We've got to be willing to put our faith in the promises of God. At our new house, the laundry room is in the basement. And I carry the laundry downstairs. And then it's done from that point on. And it struck me <laughs> as... I was getting ready to walk down the stairs that if I'm holding a laundry basket, usually, especially the boys' laundry basket, which is usually full of clothes, I can't see the stairs as I'm walking down. But as long as I can have direction to take that first step, then the rest of the steps go pretty easily because I have faith that that next step is going to be where it's supposed to be because I've walked that staircase before. So as long as I can take the first step, and it's really important for me now because I can't balance too well on one leg, that I get that first step down. But then I walk down the stairs, and maybe you're the same way. I walk down the stairs without even looking at the steps after that because I trust that they're there. If I am so willing to trust the stairs in my house to go down and do laundry, then why am I not willing to trust the God who created all things to be able to deal with my fear and my struggles in life? I think one of the reasons is this. Fear is both rational and irrational. I am not saying that we should not have fear in our lives. I'm not saying that it's, it's sin to be fearful. Because fear in life, there is rational fear. There are things that, um, that are truly something we should, we, we should fear. Uh, <clears throat> if, your, if your house is on fire you should probably get out of there. 
for fear of being burned alive, okay? Even, even in, this, in, in the pandemic we're in, I'm not minimizing what we're going through. If you know somebody is sick and you are a person that is, has a, in a, a suppressed immune system or you are a senior citizen or you are someone who has comorbidity, comorbidities and is at high risk with this virus of taking your life, you should probably avoid that person that has it. Not probably, you should, for fear of catching it. Those are healthy fears. But there are other fears that are simply irrational. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 7 and 8 says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and, you will, and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. That is an example of without God, understanding that there should have been something to fear. But with God, it's not rational to fear those things. Because God says, I am with you. I will take care of you. How many of us during this crisis have wondered what would happen to our family if we died? What would my family do? In my home, I have my wife and my two eight-year-old boys. There is that question for me. If my life was taken away today, what would happen to them? Not just, not just being taken care of, okay? That's, that's the least of what, what should be the least of our worries. How would they handle it? How would my boys now be, they've already, they, they, they've already been in the situations they've been in, in the foster care system, now take away a father. How would they, how would my wife raise two boys on her own? Those are rational fears or concerns. Many people are concerned about losing their home because of this, losing their businesses. We've already been told that at least 15% of small businesses won't survive this. People put their entire life savings into businesses that are now wiped out. Those are rational fears to face. One that people are facing right now, I don't know what it's like in other parts of the country where people are watching from. In our area, shelves are getting bare. I kind of joked on Facebook about it, SpaghettiOs were almost gone, but spam was still there. Man, when it gets down to spam, you know, we're, and apologies to those who love spam, but when it gets down to spam, the, we're, the, the shelves are getting kind of low. And that fear of not having enough to eat, which is something that in America, the vast majority of our citizens have never experienced, becomes almost an irrational fear, so we start hoarding. Another real fear is whether you'll have a job if the world ever gets back to normal. How do you deal with these things? We know this, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So the first thing we need to understand as Christians is, when we're facing struggles and troubles and difficulties in life, the first thing we need to know is that we should not be facing it with fear. The very first step we should be taking is going to God in prayer and saying, Lord, I am struggling with this. I am afraid of this. There's nothing wrong with saying that, gentlemen, fathers, husbands. There's nothing wrong with admitting that you're afraid of the situation that you're facing in life. In fact, I believe it's incredibly healthy. I believe if you can address that to God and he can work on your heart and bring you to a place of strength, then you can be a calm influence and a leader in your home for the way that God wants you to go. What does that verse mean? It means that we are freed from fear. We just have to live that way. We're freed from fear. We just have to live as if we've been freed from it. 
there are some facts to accept about active fear in our lives. There are some facts that we must accept about fear in our lives. The first one is this. Fear is a state of mind. Fear is a state of mind. What is facing you is not the fear. That big giant, Goliath, was not David's fear. Fearing Goliath would have been David's fear. Goliath was not Saul's fear. Fearing facing Goliath was his fear. So fear is a state of mind. Understand that. Fear is a state of mind. But it's not the state of mind that God gave you. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. As followers of Christ, we have become children of God. And when we are in need, when we are in difficulty, when we are in struggles, we cry out to God. That, that phrase, Abba, Father, means Daddy. It's the most intimate, childlike way of referring to God as your father. Daddy, please help me. Moms and dads, grandmothers and grandfathers, aunts and uncles, whatever your role is in the life of a child, teacher, if you have influence on a child right now, what they don't need to see from you is fear. They need to see confidence in your faith. Confidence in your God. Confidence in what worked for you when everything was normal. How do you get there? <laughs> By crying, Daddy God, please help me. Please heal my mind. My mind is in a state right now that isn't really rational. Listen, I've got cupboards full of food. I've got a refrigerator full of food. If I were to take inventory, I'd have food that lasts me for three months yet I'm afraid of going hungry. Your children don't need to see that. Your children need to see confidence. Confidence that says, God promised that he would take care of me. We, uh, in our backyard now, uh, Aaron has become somewhat of a bird watcher. Mm -hmm. and, and Gabriel and Michael have become bird watchers as well. And we have a pair of binoculars, and they pass the binoculars around, and we have... We have uh, uh, I, I don't know, five or six bird feeders up. And because we have two squirrels, um, Buster and Brown, in our yard that like to eat, every, every animal that comes into our yard has a name. It's like living with Cinderella, okay? Uh, because the squirrels like to eat the bird seed, we have a squirrel feeder of corn on a tree. And we have so many different birds that are coming into our yard now. We have woodpeckers that come into our yard now. We have grackles. I didn't even know grackle, a grackle was a bird. But it's a really cool bird. It's, got, it's a black bird, and it's got like a, 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 a deep maroon type of he color head. Really pretty, really pretty. Uh, we've got uh, yellow birds. I forget what, what they are. Um, we've Cardinals, we've got Blue Jays. It's like having the Major League Baseball season in my backyard right now, right? And we have sparrows. And every time I see a sparrow, my mind goes back to the song and the verse, his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. If God cares enough about sparrows, to feed them and provide for them, whether it's through putting a, a compassionate heart for animals into my wife so that she puts food out there for them, or through the natural way they get food, it doesn't matter. God provides. You don't see, spir <laughs> you don't see sparrows standing on the street corner with a sign saying, we'll work for food, <laughs> right? Sparrows are taken care of by God. And when I see that, it reminds me that God watches out for me. Fear is a state of mind. And if you're going to deal with it, if you're going to deal with that fear, you have to start in your mind and realize you didn't receive that spirit of slavery to bring you back to fear. The second thing I see is fear is a habit. Fear is something you become comfortable with. 
It's a way of dealing with life that you become comfortable with. You take a different route home so as not to uh, go by whatever it is that you're afraid of or avoid a certain person. You, you walk a different way to lunch or you eat at a different place at lunch so as to avoid certain people. And we, we change the way we do things and the way we live so that we will avoid situations. It becomes a habit, what you become comfortable with in dealing with the effect of fear, not with why you are fearing. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 say, Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. Let's be very candid. One of the greatest fear factors of the coronavirus that we're facing is death. I'll just go ahead and say it. One of, the, one of the most disastrous ways that people come back to others' real concerns about things is, well, you just want people to die. That's, man, that's not true. Nobody wants anybody to die. Nobody's saying anything like that. And we're not going to get into the, the, the which side is right. That's not the point. But to say that people actually want people to die, I, it's, it's become common for those more cynical people to say, geez, I wish so-and-so would get COVID-19. Come on, man. <laughs> because we think that getting the virus is a death sentence, but it's not. And I'm not minimizing anybody's death, but 99% of everybody who gets it lives. What I'm trying to say is this, Fearing death, if that is influencing your decision-making right now in your life, it's an irrational fear. Unless, of course, you have those underlying problems. Don't get me wrong. If you're in those high-risk areas, yes, I get it. But people who don't, normal, health, regular, healthy people, that's an irrational fear. But it becomes a habit, and you are now being pulled into slavery to that fear. And again, please, I know people are going to say to me, you're minimizing it. I'm not minimizing it at all. I'm not minimizing lives. But you cannot, you cannot live your life based on the fear of something that's not real. Revelation 12, 11 says, They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not lo love their lives to the point of death. There is something more valuable, more important than our life. Oh, I, I, can't, I can't believe you're minimizing life. I'm not minimizing life. I'm maximizing eternal life. I'm maximizing the call of God in my life. I'm maximizing what he has tasked me to do. I'm maximizing the fact that he says he has a plan. He has a better way for me to live than living in fear. And I will not give in to fear. I will take precautions. I will be smart. I will be wise. But I will not give in to fear. And I believe that's the mentality that we must have as Christians. The feeling of, and effects of fear are real. They're real. And like I said, <laughs> we, need to, we need to admit that there is fear in our lives and that we are feeling fear. David said in Psalm 56.3, When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In order to, in order to put that, that into practice in his life, he needed to be in a place of fear. So David felt fear, but when he felt fear, he trusted in God. Psalm 94, 19, when I am filled with cares, your comfort brings me joy. In order to feel the comfort from God, you have to have the cares that you can give to him, if that makes sense. Proverbs 13, uh, 12, 25, anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good word cheers it up. So our hearts will be weighed down. There's times when we're going to be overloaded with cares, concerns, and yes, even fears. But a good word, whether, and, and this is why it's so important and so important that we as believers in a church or in a, the larger universal church setting are there for each other. Last night, I just happened to uh, have my phone on and um, Hill, was it Hillsong? 
I think it was Hillsong Church went live. Oh, man. They were just, <clears throat> they, were, they were doing worship. <clears throat> and there were literally thousands of people around the world connecting. Somebody from Zimbabwe, people from Australia, people from the continent of Asia, people from Europe, people from around the United States. Brazil, I saw many people from Brazil uh, on there listening and people praising God. Man, connecting as the universal body of Christ in worship and being encouraged, that's a good word. When you start seeing yourself go down the road of fear and discouragement and despair, what should you do? You should look for a good word. Whether that is going to God in prayer or reading his word or calling somebody on the phone that you can say to, hey, I need to be encouraged right now. Once again, not being afraid to see I'm in need, to say I'm in need is vitally important. But ultimately, and this is the last point we'll make for this week, but ultimately, fear is a liar. And we know that that song, uh, Fear is a Liar, it's a great song. <clears throat> ultimately, fear is a liar. John 8, says, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan is a liar. Fear is a liar. It's irrational, especially if it's causing you to doubt the promises of God because God says, I will be with you. I will take care of you. I will not let you fall. I will not let you perish. I will not let you, uh, you, you lose, I, I will not lose care of you. You will never be out of my care. And when Satan says, that's not true, God isn't with you right now, God doesn't care about you, it's just like in the, in the garden with Eve. God didn't really say that. Fear is a liar. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Satan's desire is to destroy you. Let me say this. And I think, man, I think as we get farther into this and stress becomes more of a struggle... And people start taking sides. I mean, let, let's be honest. You look at what's going on in our country right now. Part of the country is opening up. Other parts of the country, here, here in Massachusetts, <laughs> grab a chair, folks. This is going to go on for a long time. We're not opening anytime soon. Governor of New York said to people, if you want a job right now, become an essential worker. Other than that, you're not going back to work until I tell you you can go back to work. With people... I'll, I might get myself in trouble with this, but I'll say it. With people like that in charge, we're going to be in for a long haul. Okay? So what we're doing is we're seeing division in our country now. And we're going to start, and, and there's division in the church over whether people should start meeting together and not meeting together. Who do you think wins in that scenario? Who do you think wins in that scenario? Satan is a liar. And he will look for any way to devour us. Listen, I'll be very honest about it. I'm not happy that we can't meet. I understand the, the safety precautions. I get it. But I'm not happy that my church family can't come together and fellowship and worship together and encourage each other in person. I'm so thankful that we have the technology. Like I said this morning, I wonder how many tissues were gone through on Facebook this morning because of that worship, that worship set that our worship team put on. Amazing. And our, Zach, our assistant pastor, is working the, uh, the um, social media platform right now, and he says, a lot. It's incredible. And that's awesome. I'm so, so thankful that God has provided this way for us to come together. But I'm still not happy that our church can't come together. But it doesn't mean I'm going to now knock those who can. It doesn't mean I'm going to start causing problems and causing arguments with those who can. Praise God for churches that can get together. And praise God for churches that will go the extra mile to come together even though it's online. Praise God for those who will come to, to, to their coffee table with their coffee in hand 
and we'll sit there with a pastry instead of a donut here in church. Praise God that you're watching us. Praise God that you're connecting with us. See, we need to, we need to get rid of the spirit of fear and realize that Satan is trying to divide and bring, a, bring ourselves together and say, praise God that we can meet any way we can meet. Not allow Satan to get in and cause division. That, what that means is, as Paul wrote, there are those who criticize me. There are those who falsely praise me in order to bring more struggle into my life. There are those who stand with me and worship with me and praise God for my ministry. It doesn't matter how it's going on. The name of Jesus Christ is being lifted up. And in that I will rejoice, yea, and I will rejoice. You see, rather than fighting about whether we should be having the right to meet or not, rather, rather than fighting about whether anybody's right and who's right and who's wrong, we should simply be saying, thank you, God, for providing the opportunity for us to come together. And thank you for those who can meet and can worship because so many of us need it right now. Revelation 12, 9 says, so the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent who called, uh, I got the wrong verse there, sorry. Fear is a liar. Satan's doom is destined for him. He just wants to divide you from your faith by dividing you from brothers and sisters in Christ, by dividing you from the word, by dividing you from your life of prayer. Fear, Satan masking as fear, will tell you that you don't measure up, tell you that you aren't worthy, tell you that you can't survive this, tell you that you aren't enough and you never will be. That God and nobody else loves you or cares about you. And that you'll find satisfaction in sin. But all of that's a lie. Because God loves you. He loved you enough to die for you. He loves you enough to give you his word. He loves you enough to persevere with you through difficulties he loves you enough to put people into your life that can encourage you if you just reach out. He loves you enough to provide you a way and an opportunity to connect with his people. Fear is a liar. Next week, as we get into this a little bit more, we're going to be looking at how you deal with fear, with the intention and purpose from God of overcoming fear. My challenge to you this week is this. You can, the beauty of, of having our things, our, our sermons on Facebook Live is that you can go back and listen to them. If you didn't write some of these verses down, write them down, look them up, read them, pray over them, pray with them. When you don't know what to pray, pray those scriptures. Claim the promise. But before you do all that, go to God and say, God, I've got to be very honest. I'm scared. I'm afraid right now. I'm afraid for my health. I'm afraid for my family. I'm afraid for my job. I'm afraid for my home. I'm afraid for my future. And I know it may be irrational, and I know other people may not be struggling with it, God, but I am. It's like that old hymn, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I'm the one that needs it right now, God. And I need you to calm my heart right now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of coming before you and gathering together even if it's in a virtual way. Lord, this is, I believe this is settled in longer than anybody ever thought it would. 
And what is happening now is it's going from the reality of, of what we were facing at first to now something that is really truly affecting people in a deep and profound way. Hopelessness is on the rise, panic and fear, restlessness. God, your word says that in this world we will have trouble, but you have overcome the world. Your word says that we will deal with difficulties in this life, but if we will put our trust in you, you will make a way and show us a path. God, what we're asking for right now, what my prayer for your people is, is this. Would you please give us the courage to admit our fear and to give it to you? That simple act, God, of changing our mentality, of changing our direction, of a direction of acting out in fear and because of fear, and now turning to you and saying, God, how can we deal with this? How can I get over this? God, I believe that'll make all the difference in the world for so many people. Lord, these are tough times, difficult times. Times where we need you more than anything. Father, would you be our strength? Your word says you're our strong, you're our strong tower. The righteous run into you and they are safe. Your word says that your everlasting arms uphold us. May we trust in those. May we give you our fears. And God, would you give us in return your comfort. Bless us today as we go about our lives. God, for those who are watching, who are in need of encouragement, in need of a voice, in need of a... Um, a connection I pray that they will reach out or that you Lord will place it on the heart of one of your children to reach out to them may we check on each other Father may we come together throughout this week through our devotions and Lord may we uh, may we draw closer to you bless us Lord be honored in our lives in your precious name we pray Amen.